Hello and welcome to the 23rd, 24th episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast, where today we are going to be talking about a Kazarov mass damage deck, a Fire Song and Sunspeaker deck, and lots of magic news, including double masters. We are also going to be analyzing Paco Arcane Retriever and his relationship with his partner, Haldan, Avid Arcanist. So let's get into it. So first of all, I'm going to start with magic news. There's a lot of things that happened recently, and apparently I missed some news in the last couple weeks. So real quick, I'm going to cover the short, simple news. First of all, Secret Lair Ultimate Edition release was delayed until June 12th. That makes sense. Uh, I don't know exactly how their printing process works, but that that is happening. It says we are continuing to prioritize the health and safety of our employees, partners, and players, and will continue to keep you updated should any other release shifts become necessary. Uh, I stand by this, of course. They probably don't really have an option. They most likely have to close everything down. Last week, I said maybe it's better to release the things earlier so that the distributors can figure out how to distribute it safely. But there's no guarantee that they have the ability to do that, to even produce the cards or to distribute it to the distributors. Plus, it's better to not put more strain on the system than has to be. So... I think that this is necessary, and it's just gonna happen. Uh, Next is Jumpstart launch is rescheduled for July 17th to 19th. That's fine. Um, yeah. And Channel Fireball has resumed shipping. So now there's a place where you can order cards. There have been in the past still places you can order cards, but now there's more options. Okay, and for the big, big news, Double Masters. Double Masters is a set, it's a master set with 332 cards, 24 packs per booster box, 15 card booster packs, with two rares and two foil cards per pack. Two non-foil borderless showcase box topper cards included in each booster box, available in lots of different languages. It will be available on Magic Online starting August 6th for $6.99 per booster. It will not be redeemable. So... I'm not sure if there's actually going to be in a physical copy because it doesn't say anything of what I've read about there being a physical copy. If there is, it will be extremely expensive because, I I, I mean, there's... There's two, you know, there's two rares per thing, and on Magic Online, it's $6.99 per booster. It's going to be at least, at least Ultimate Master's price. Plus, because of the pandemic, there's going to be a lot less printed. I mean, I don't, 
I don't see anything that says it's going to be on going to be there physically but it also doesn't say it's not so i'm assuming it is not because it only says it's on magic a lot online um but who knows uh as of reprints we know they're reprinting doubling season and it's got some pretty nice pretty cute art um and it, it's got two rares, two foils per pack, 15 card booster packs. And there's two uh, showcase box toppers. So this is pretty cool. I don't know whether, whether it says, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be, I'm pretty sure that it is not going to be physical. Uh, as of the time of editing, I now have more information on the new set, Double Masters. So I'm going to go ahead and, and say this and put this data forward. So first of all, there are, well, I already just said that there's 15 cards per pack and there are two rares. So on the first pick of the draft, of the first pick of each pack, you get to pick two cards so that you can get both rares. Second, there is going to be a preview season in mid-July that is two weeks long. Uh, third, there are 121 rares and 40 mythics in the set. That's about average, that's about twice as much as most. And third is, they said in power level of the reprints, it's similar to Ultimate Masters. I'm not sure, I'm fairly certain that they didn't specify whether that factored in the whole, oh, you get two rares thing. I'm assuming it does, but they said that it was cranking it up to 11 if Ultimate Masters was a 10. So, either it's doubled, because they also said something about it being 22, it's like Ultimate Masters but doubled, or it's just like Ultimate Masters because it's doubled. Uh, third of all is, of course, it's a Masters set, there are no new cards. Uh, third of all, there is a VIP edition uh, version of these packs it's basically like a collector's booster they will not that there's no actual information on what it is i just know it's going to be extremely expensive um there and for the reprints that they have so far shown there's going to be a calia reprint mana crypt reprint and a doubling season reprint so these all have new arts and they look great um, there will also be at least one new, new to foil card printed in this set. So that's sad, but I'm sure that a lot more people are playing Magic Online now than have been in the past. I personally downloaded Magic Online, but I have not gotten to playing it as I do, I would rather play with Cockatrice through a Discord server, then I can talk with random people who also play Magic, and it's just more fun for me. 
or I can use untap.in. There's a lot of different ways, but if I'm looking for just magic with where I'm not talking to other people, I can do magic arena. I like to draft on there. So that is that. Um, I'm going to go into the analyzing for this week. So this week I am analyzing Paco Arcane Retriever, which is three red green for a three three. Partner with Haldan Avid Arcanist. Haste. Whenever a Paco Arcane Retriever attacks, exile the top card of each player's library and put a fetch counter on each of them. Put a plus one plus one counter on Paco for each non-creature card exiled this way. So basically what I'm doing is I am calculating the number of non-creature cards in an average opponent's library. So this data was easy to come up with because I've already created a Google Sheet in relation to the data of the average CMC, average number on each CMC of creatures. So I easily found out that there are an average of 70 non-creature cards per deck on in the EDH rec database. So that is that. I'm going to read Haldan, our avid arcanist, before I get into the actual data. Haldan is two and a blue for a 1-4 partner with Paco. You may play non-creature cards from exile with fetch counters on them if you exiled them, and you may spend mana as though a mana of any color to cast those spells. So I would say there are two main advantages you can get with this partner. Either you can use Paco for damage, use it as a beater, use it as Voltron, something like that. The reason this is good is because it can pump up quite quickly, and you don't have to pay for Haldan. The reason this is bad is Paco, first of all, when you're first attacking with it, they know how big it is when they are choosing blockers. Second of all, there's no protection. Third of all, it's easy to kill it when it's swinging in the beginning. Not too easy, but somewhat easy. So overall, as a Voltron killer, it's not really great. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say... So the, the next way you can use it is with Haldan to get card advantage. And... The value of that depends on how many cards you're getting. Same with the attacking value, but either way, it just doesn't seem great. It's really clunky. So when you attack with Paco, the odds that you'll get one is 97% chance. You will get at least one. The odds that you will get two is a 79% chance. Almost all of the time, you will get at least two and the odds of you getting three is a 34% chance. If you get very lucky, you might get three. So we can generally assume that we'll get roughly two per turn. So if we're looking at Paco, first time he attacks, he's a 5-5, five, five. then he's a 7-7, seven, seven, then he's a 9-9. Nine, nine. If you think about it, that is still a four-turn clock for the first person you attack. Plus with the no evasion, no protection, all of this stuff, it's very clunky. So we can safely say, as an attacker, as Voltron, Paco is not really a great source. So 
for a value draw. Okay, on turn five, on turn three, we play Al Haldan, and on turn five, we play Paco. Then we are getting draw two per turn. We are also getting lands, which seems fine. I mean, if we get lands and we already have a land, it's not necessarily beneficial, especially because you can use mana of any color to cast those spells. And these cards don't necessarily synergize with our deck. Milling our opponents is not a reasonable expectation. It just seems like it's not very good. You might be able to get a small amount of value from your opponent's decks, and you might be able to get a small amount of value from the plus one plus one counters on Paco. But it is extremely expensive over time, and it is extremely fragile. So to me, it seems as if it's pretty bad. But at least you now have perspective if you want to include it in a deck or make it your commander on what you can expect. Alright, so I'm going to explain the commander quest before we get into the decks. So the commander quest is my eventual goal in building all of these decks. I am trying to make commander decks with every single card in Magic the Gathering and no overlap. So if my decks seem weak or you think I'm missing a specific card, the odds are I have chosen not to include that card in order to save that card for another deck or be more conservative in the price or power of my decks. I have just muted put my phone on silent. I do not know if you could hear it earlier, but if you could, now you cannot. So, to start it off, we're gonna go a go with a Kazarov Sengir Pureblood Mass Damage deck. Kazarov Sengir, Sengir, Sengir Pureblood is five black black for a four four flat. Whenever a creature an opponent controls is dealt damage, Put a plus one, plus one counter on Kazarov Sengir Pureblood. Three and a red, Kazarov deals two damage to target creature. So, the idea of this is to take cards that say, this deals one damage to each creature, or this deals one damage to each creature your opponents control, or something like that, and cast them. Then, well first I want to get out Kazarov, then I want to cast those over and over and over again and just get Kazarov massive so I can kill my opponents with commander damage. That is the idea. So to help this, we have some ramp, we have some protection, we have some synergy, and the rest of it is damage. So let's get into it. So first of all, for protection, sadly, it's very hard to get niche with the protection that you use, but... I just went with some decent protection that I still have left. Cloak and Dagger is 2 for a tribal artifact rogue equipment. Equipped creature gets plus 2, plus 0, and has shroud. And whenever a rogue, rogue creature comes into play, you may attach Cloak and Dagger to it. Um, I thought about saving this for a, for a rogue deck, but it seems like seems to me like it's just better here than it would be in a rogue deck. Most rogues don't care as much as this deck does about their things being protected. 
And while plus two or plus oh is nice, it's not as big of a deal as it is here when I'm trying to Voltron kill. Next is Mask of Avacyn, which is two for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus two, and has hexproof. And it has equipped three. Again, it is very good, and I could potentially save it for another deck, but I do still have Lightning and Greaves and Swiftfoot Boots. I have a small amount of protection left, especially in specific colors such as green or blue. So I had to use, I have to use these at some point, and this is certainly a good use of them because they both have pump, and they're both not like the best protection in the world. Alright, ramp. Because at the beginning of the game, getting out Kazarov is one of the most important parts of the deck. So there's not really anything too notable about the ramp. It's mostly three mana make one mana. All except for one, which is Firemind Vessel, which is four to make two mana of different colors. Some of them enter tapped, some of them don't. It depends. So that's the idea. I can get out Kazarov. I can hopefully protect Kazarov. And while these are very expensive, the protection pieces, I may have to wait another turn to protect it and hope my opponents don't ruin it, which isn't really a great thing. Or I can just wait and spend all the mana, which also is not great. But it depends on the board state and on what your opponents have. So let's get into synergy. So synergy is basically options that give me benefit for dealing damage to my opponent's creatures if I don't have Kazarov or if I also have Kazarov. It's just ways for me to get some type of advantage. First of all, we have Binding Agony, which is one in a black for an enchant creature. For each one damage dealt to enchanted creature, Binding Agony deals 1 damage to that creature's controller. Way to get some value. Death Pits of Wrath, Wrath, 3 black black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature is dealt damage, destroy it. It can't be regenerated. With this, you have to be very careful. You don't want to have this out when Kazarov is out, unless you're only going to be dealing damage to your opponent's creatures. Because it will also get rid of your own creatures. So, because of that, you will have to be careful when you are using this and when you cast it, especially because there's not really a great way to get rid of it. It will be very difficult to make progress with this unless you have a very specific hand. So proceed with, with caution when using this. This is a last case scenario board wipe. Mephidros Vampire. Four black black for a three four flying. Each creature you control is a vampire in addition to its other types and has, whenever this creature deals damage to a creature, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. So there are a significant number of creatures that actually deal, all, deal the damage to everything. So having those be able to get tons and tons of plus one plus one counters is great. Especially because a lot of them have... The way that they kill themselves so that they're only one use is by dealing damage to themselves. So if we can get them to deal damage once, then we can pump them up and we can get them huge so that they'll never die and we can just use them every single turn. 
Next is Pestilent Spirit. Two and a black for a 3-2 Menace Death Touch. Instant and sorcery spells you control have Death Touch. This is a little bit like a toned down Death Pits of Wrath, but in a good way. For Death Pits of Wrath, you're not going to be able to get very much synergy with your deck without blowing everything up, meaning it's going to be extremely difficult to beat down everything with Kazarov. With Pestilent Spirit, you can use non-instant and sorcery spells to deal the damage to get the synergy. It is much easier to still win with this out. Plus, it is a creature, so with Kazarov's 3 and a red ability to deal 2 damage to a creature, I can just kill it. So it's a lot easier to get rid of, and a lot easier to still synergize with, than Death Pits of Wrath. Shriveling, plus you can also use it as a board wipe if necessary. Shriveling Rot. 2 black black for an instant. Choose 1. Until end of turn, whenever creatures dealt damage, destroy it. Or, until end of turn, whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, that creature's controller loses life equal to its toughness. Entwine uh, for a 2 and a block. So, if you have 7 mana plus the cost of whatever thing you're dealing damage with, you can get rid of all your opponent's creatures, or you're also your creatures. And then, well, it depends on what the deal damage thing is. You can get rid of a lot of creatures and deal a lot of damage. But you can also just use it as a board wipe. It can be quite good, and using the other ability can also be quite useful. Spiteful Shadows is one in a black for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. Whenever enchanted creature is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to its controller. Okay, so now that I've read all of those cards for some reason, I am going to break down into the categories of damage. So, of those, there are four categories. There are cards that deal damage to everything. Every single creature and sometimes every player and sometimes every planeswalker. Those can be quite good while we don't particularly want our creatures to be to be taking damage. We don't I have built this deck in a way that I generally don't mind. We have target player. They this deals damage to each creature target player controls. We have creatures I don't control. It deals damage to each creature you don't control. Uh, sometimes it's also each planeswalker I don't control, each creature and planeswalker and player, something like that. And that, that applies to target player too. And then other damage. The other damage is usually things that happen when someone does something specific, such as caltrops for attacks, or it targets a specific number of creatures, or it targets only specific colors of creatures. That's That covers most of it. Or an activated ability on a planeswalker or, or creature to deal damage. For the vast majority of these cards, they only deal one damage, and that is for a very specific reason. This deck is one very niche aspect of dealing damage to creatures. There are a lot of different decks that are built around that idea. There's dinosaur, there's dinosaur decks, 
that take advantage of the... I don't remember what the keyword is, but whenever they take damage, they have an effect. There are Fire Song and, Spo Fire Song and Sunspeaker decks that take advantage of huge instant and sorcery spells that um, will do a lot of damage to the creatures. And there are decks that care about cards that do something for each damage dealt to them. So they also take advantage of huge instant and sorcery spells. So for this niche, the best thing to do is to get instant, is to get cards that deal one damage to each creature an opponent controls. That fits best into this niche. But since that is not always an option, it is also okay to use black cards that deal one damage to everything. And in very rare, rare cases, black red spells that will deal damage to everything. Although those can also synergize with other decks. So there's a very specific reason why I chose this exact niche of dealing damage to creatures, which so that in the future I can build similar decks. I want to build these all at the same time so that I can remember exactly what the niche is. Another thing I did notably is for creatures that deal damage to everything, I took the ones that actually did damage to everything in this deck, and I kept the ones that only deal damage to creatures without flying for the dinosaur deck, because it doesn't care and this deck does. There are a lot of different notable things too. I also didn't use any X spells because those could be bigger. So that's most of the different uh, criteria that I used to pick specifically what I was using here. And I came out with a $65 deck. So what I've been doing, yes, I did make a black red deck, which is good because I'm pretty sure I am behind on white and black. Yes, that is correct. So I did that and there's also a significant amount of black because this is the only black deck that synergizes with damage. While I would like to have another one, there isn't really a great way to do it. So it is time to get into the next deck. So this is a Fire Song and Sunspeaker deck. So as I was just talking about, I want to build all these similar types of deck decks really close together so that I know exactly what synergy, synergistic cards I can use for each and when what I can save. So I'll probably be building another one of these, another similar deck soon, next week. So Fire Song and Sunspeaker is four red, white, four, four, six. Red, instant, and sorcer sorcery spells you control have lifelink. And whenever a white instant or sorcery spell causes you to gain life, Fire Song and Sunspeaker deals three damage to target creature or player. So basically, it is built around that first ability. I am trying to gain tons and tons of life. That way, I can be ahead 
and I can take advantage of some of these synergy cards. So this is split into two categories. There are cards that da deal damage to all to each creature, usually significant um, significant amounts of damage, and it's not always necessarily each creature, but it is at least close. Then there is synergy. Synergy is basically the way that I'm going to kill my opponents. The way that I can recast my things, the way that I can take advantage of all this damage being dealt. Even ways to prevent the damage being dealt to my own creatures in very obscure scenarios. So, there are generally a couple of categories of this. First of all, there are cards that whenever they're dealt damage, they deal that much damage to each player or target player or each opponent or any target. It depends. But there are a couple of those. I have used those so that I can have a way to take advantage of these mass amounts of damage. There are, there's repercussion. One red red, whenever a creature is dealt damage, repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller. This way, because of Firesong and Sunspeaker, I have a lot of life. My opponents don't necessarily have as much life, and they also most likely have more creatures. So, I can deal a lot of damage to them, while I gain all my life back. There's also Purity, 3 white white. If a spell or ability would deal damage to you, prevent that damage, you gain life equal to the damage prevented this way, and it's a 6-6. Six, six. There are a couple other things that prevent all damage that would be dealt to creatures you control, or all non-combat damage. Mark of Asylum does that for 1 and a white. Runetail does that for 2 and a white, but it starts as a 2-2 legendary creature fox monk, and if you have 30 or more life, you can flip it. Uh, there are also a couple other categories, basically either cards that give you benefit for dealing damage to, to creatures or instants or sorceries dealing damage, or cards that let you, let you cast the, your instants or sorceries for free, like Wildfire Eternal, or, I mean, that's basically it. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, there's Fire Servant, which is three red red for, an ins for a creature elemental, four three. If a red instant or sorcery spell you control would deal damage, it deals double that much damage instead. And Kami of the Honored Dead, which is three five white white for a three five. Whenever Kami of the Honored Dead is dealt damage, you gain that much life. Uh, there's Blaze Commando, which is three red white for a five three. Whenever an instant or sorcery spell you control is control deals damage, put two one one red and white soldier creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield, and bail fire liege. Two hybrid red white hybrid red white hybrid red white for a two four other red creatures get plus one plus one other white creatures get plus one plus one. Whenever you cast a red spell, it deals three damage to target player, and whenever you cast a white spell, you gain three life. So, that is the synergy. This is how I'm going to win the game, how I'm going to get advantage off of these spells. So, then there is the heart of the deck, which I might even have too much of. Damage dealers. I am currently running 40 of these. It might be too much, it probably is too much, but that's what I'm doing. So, the idea of this, as I said, I have a very specific reason for the niche cards that I'm using. I am using... 
cards that deal as much damage as possible, the highest damage, three or more damage to each creature. It could, in theory, be to each opponent, each creature in op opponent's control, but there's not really very many ways to benefit off of that. I'm also benefiting off of a couple random benefit things that have gaining life as a side effect or dealing damage as a side effect and cards that just deal damage to... Like, they deal three damage to target creature and you gain three life. I have a couple of those. Well, I have one of those, but I have a couple of similar effects to those. So I'm benefiting off of burn spells and off of huge wraths. Basically, that is the niche that works for this deck. I'm just going to read off some of the most important ones and some of the ones I'm sad about. So to start off, we're going to start with Burning of Zinyi. Zinyi. Four red red for a sorcery. You destroy four lands you control, then target opponent destroys four lands he or she controls, then Burning of Zinyi deals four damage to each creature. This is one of the ones I'm sad about. I do not want to be running uh, land destruction, but this is just about the only deck that the, this land destruction could go in. And while I'd love to avoid it, I just don't think there's any compelling reason for me to not do it. At some point, I will have to put these land destruction cards in, and at least this that is not the sole purpose of it. I have a couple of other cards that have similar effects, but I am very sad about that. Okay, Blasphemous Act, 8 and a red for sorcery. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield, and Blasphemous Act deals 13 damage to each creature. So, I have just realized something. Last week I analyzed this and we found out how amazing it was. You know what I didn't even factor in? Uh, I actually had a reason for not factoring it in, and then I never said why I didn't factor that in in the beginning. Because you can do the math for yourself. Calculating the number of cards, creatures in your deck, or cards that make creatures in your deck, and how many creatures they make, you can calculate the number of creatures you're likely to have. That way you can figure out how much you're likely to use, lose, and how much cheaper that's going to make it. So, Blasphemous Act is even better than I said it was earlier. And also, it deals 13 damage to each creature, which synergizes super well with this deck. Next up is Arcbond. Two and a red for an instant. Choose target creature. Whenever that creature is dealt damage this turn, it deals that much damage to each other creature and each player. This is amazing. So, not only can I use this to double up a huge wrath, but also I get the benefit off of Fire Song and Sunspeaker, and also it deals damage to each player. If I have a card that deals damage to each player, that makes it so, so much easier for my creatures that deal damage to target player to kill them. Plus, I'm gaining so much life that I don't care if it's dealing damage to me. Uh, we have one more, there's about one more card, well, I'll, I'll cover a couple more. Uh, there is Star of Extinction, five red red for a sorcery. 
Destroy target land. Star of Extinction deals 20 damage to each creature and each planeswalker. I'm going to gain so much life off of this. And my creatures will deal so much damage to my opponents off of this. Never mind if I double it with something like a fire servant. If I do that, I could just kill someone one shot with one, one creature that reflects damage. That's amazing. All right. Um, one more card just to demonstrate the different categories. Or actually two more to demonstrate the different categories of types of cards that deal damage to opponents in this deck. Actually, three more. Uh, Earthquake is X and red, and it deals X damage to each creature without flying in each player. So this is the deck that accepts uh, X damage spells, so that I can get huge spells. Sure, they're not the best rates, but they do the trick. Uh, next category is just three, four, maybe even five damage. Well, no, I think five is goes in the huge, huge effect ones. Three, maybe four damage instant or sorceries. Uh, Deafening Clarion is one red-white. For a sorcery, choose one or both. Deafening Clarion deals three damage to each creature. And creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn. Uh, the lifelink can potentially be helpful or beneficial, but that's not why I'm running it. And the benefit, well, one of the best things about this is it doesn't kill Firesong. So I can cast these things over and over and over again. Okay, the final category of things is basically burn spells. So I'm going to use Lightning Helix as an example. Red, white for an instant. Lightning Helix deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. So basically it'll deal six damage uh, divided as, well, three damage to any target and then three damage to any target. And then you'll gain three life twice. So that is very good. It works very well with the commander. And it is great to have in here because it's not really great other places. So those are the different categories of cards that work well in this deck. So I'm going to move on to lands. We have 29 mountains and 9 plains. And this is an $83 deck. 38 lands, $83. That is not bad at all. Basically, it's just maybe like 120, 130 per card. Very cheap. Very good way to bring my previously way too high, probably still way too high average cost. Just slowly, slowly bringing it down. So, since I mentioned it, let's go into the collection statistics. So first of all, we have 2,207 cards and 2,201 total unique printer printings. This is because I used seven dwarves. That is why it is not the same number. There is actually no overlap other than seven dwarves. I'm sure that I made it clear in the past that past that, that is an exception. So, so for the estimated value, we have... $3,657 for the 2,200 cards. 
So if we take that and we divide it that divide that by the 2201 cards, then we have an average of 167 per card. This means that I am doing fairly well. We calculated earlier that the average cost per card is 220. So with that data in mind, we are much, much behind. Even though I made that huge expensive episode, I think it's two weeks ago, used about $1,000 and just completely destroyed my numbers. Used to be about an, ad, an average of $1.20 per card. But we, we work with what we have. Okay, time to get into the color distribution. So for colorless, well, no, let's start with the colors. For green, we have 324 cards. For red, we have 417 cards. For black, we have 235 cards. For blue, we have 349 cards. And for white, we have 271 cards. So on the lower end, we have black and white at about 235 and then 271 cards. On the middle end, we have blue and green with 324 and 349 cards. And on the high end, we have red with 417, 417 cards. That is not very even at all. So I, I'm working on it. I just made a black deck and a white deck. They were also both red, which explains why there's a big spike. And the red, the, the Boros deck I made um, kind of was 90% red and had a very small amount of white. But I tried. Okay, um, multicolor, 169. There should be a lot more of that. And colorless, 442. Uh, there should be a lot less of that. So, as per usual, my color distribution is terrible. Okay, type distribution. We have 1207 creatures, 262 sorceries, 352 artifacts. Uh, we have 17 planeswalkers, 85 lands, 214 enchantments. We have five tribal cards and 199 instants. Um, that's not too bad. Okay, we have 820 commons, 693 uncommons, 598 rares, and 96 mythics. That is fine. Uh, we're still, we still have a much more drastic drop than in the actual numbers but I would like to have more commons and uncommons than I currently 